We are in message seven. Welcome. Our series is called Life Coach, and we're learning about some timeless truths from a trusted mentor. We're learning that all of us here this morning are not having to do life alone. We have a mentor. We have a life coach, and his name is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, the very last letter he wrote is the book of 2 Timothy. This is the last letter he penned before he was executed. He is in jail in Rome as he writes this book to Timothy, the young man he is mentoring. But everything in this book is applicable to us. And so this morning we come to the seventh mentoring lesson or life coach lesson. And it's summarized in these three words. Remember Jesus Christ. I want you to think about the things that you are required to remember (laughs) because it's a lot of stuff. I was reading in a book that there are 25,000 pieces of technology that you as an American citizen need to know how how to just operate just to survive. 25, I mean, things like a toothbrush, things like your car, a shower, your cell phone, it goes on and on and on. We just kind of take that for granted, but there are thousands of things that we are required to remember. I think about all the PIN numbers you need to remember, the people you need to remember, the birthdays you need to remember, the tasks that you need to remember, the anniversaries that you need to remember. If it's your anniversary today and you haven't remembered that, you're in trouble. The appointments you need to remember. The deadlines you need to remember. I mean, you got to stop because it's like almost depressing to go through and remember all the stuff you need to remember, right? Not very fun, but there's so much stuff. And the Apostle Paul, he knew this about Timothy. I mean, Timothy's a young guy. He's a pastor at at, at a very busy uh, community city called Ephesus. And just like you and me, there's so many things we need to remember, but but Paul kind of wants to slow Timothy down like he wants to slow us down today and say, guess what? Of all the things you need to remember, the most important thing is you need to remember Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, Paul. You mean there there isn't something that you would offer us a little bit more insightful than that? Remember Jesus Christ? That's the best that you have to give us this morning? Paul would say, there's nothing more important for you to remember than Jesus Christ. I mean, just think about your life this morning. Let's just see how much this is a part of our life. When you woke up, did you remember Jesus? Or did you remember your problems and this and that? You need to rush off to church and you need to remember to get to church. You see, Paul here is not talking about remembering things about Christianity. He's not saying, Remember to read your Bible, check. Remember to pray, check. Remember to tithe, check. Sometimes, as Christians, we get so caught up in remembering the things about Christianity. Watch this. You can remember, you can forget the Savior of Christianity. Paul's saying, hey, remember Jesus Christ. Think of the difference it would make in your life and in my life if throughout the day we remembered Jesus Christ. If the last thing we remembered before we went to bed, Jesus Christ. I have a feeling that as simple as this statement is, it is equally profound. And that if truly we lived out 
this life coach lesson of remembering Jesus, it would absolutely transform our lives. It would transform our marriages, our families, the way we approach life, even going to work. And the Holy Spirit is just bringing you here. He knows all about your life, what's going on, your problems, your issues. And God is just wanting to slow you down. And today, the lesson is this. Remember Jesus Christ. Wow. Doesn't that just feel good? To kind of just like, man, you're right. I've been forgetting him. It's because we haven't learned this mentoring lesson. Now, look if you would there. We're in chapter 2 of 2 Timothy, and look at verse 8. It just, Paul says this, remember Jesus Christ. Now, that, that's a command. And you can't see it in the Greek language, but in the Greek, it is a present continuous command, which means Paul is saying, Timothy, all the time, constantly, continuously, remember, think about, meditate, ponder Jesus Christ. That's the lesson that's being passed on to us today. Now, the last time we met, you recall, that Paul lifted up the example of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer as someone we need to focus in on and do ministry like they did ministry. Today, Paul takes it to the ultimate, highest degree, and he lays out for us Jesus Christ, our ultimate example. And Paul's like saying, it all starts, if you want to be like Jesus, you got to remember Jesus constantly. Just question for you, how did you do this last week in remembering Jesus Christ? How'd you do so far today? You can go through a worship service and sing songs and actually not remember who you're singing to. And this is so important in our lives and so many things that entertain our thinking to remember Jesus Christ. Look at, just look at that. Remember Jesus Christ, verse 8. Now, what are we going to do this morning? We're going to do what Paul did. And Paul passed on to Timothy four reasons why we need to remember Jesus Christ. I mean, if for any reason you're doubting, and I don't think you are, I can tell it on your faces, you're like, this is important for me, Mark. Yes, I get it that I need to remember Jesus Christ. But in case you're like not totally convinced this is absolutely critical for you, Paul gives us four reasons why. Here's the first reason. Number one, we need to remember Jesus because Jesus is alive. Amen? I mean, look at verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, then Paul says, raised from the dead, Timothy, descended from David. He's saying, Timothy, uh, Jesus descended from David. That's a statement of Jesus' humanity. He walked the earth in fulfillment of all prophecy. He lived a human life, Timothy. Jesus died a human death. He is a descendant of David. But Timothy, the main thing that he is saying here to Timothy is this. Jesus rose from the dead. He is alive, Timothy. Jesus is alive, watch this, right now, Timothy. He's alive with you now. The greatest event in all the history of the world is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But watch this. You can slip into forgetting that. 
you can actually go through a week and forget that Jesus is alive and he's with you. And Timothy here is being charged to remember not a dead Jesus, but a Jesus who is alive. Now, what about us? Just question for you in your own heart of hearts. Is the Jesus you remember when you do remember him, is he dead or is he alive? You know, sometimes I think we can, you know, think about Jesus and talk about Jesus and even sing to Jesus as if he's dead. We can talk about Jesus as if he's not alive and listening. We can go through life as if Jesus is not alive and with us. We can go through a day as if Jesus is not going right beside us, with us, the entire day. We can actually do that. It's not the truth. He is. He's absolutely with us. The Bible says this all over. I've given you a few areas here. In Hebrews 13, 5 on your outlines, the Bible says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. That's what Jesus says to you. No matter what's going on during your day, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. When you're in a business meeting, he's with you. You're out, you know, doing some recreational activity, he is with you. Now, are we remembering that he's with us? Well, that's the mentoring lesson. Paul's saying, Timothy, remember, Jesus is constantly with you. Uh, look at Revelation 3.20. Jesus said this, here I am. Notice, Jesus did not say, here I was. He's saying, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. See, Jesus wants us to experience with him on a daily basis the reality that he's with us. He wants us every day to hear his present voice that is speaking to us constantly because he's with us. And you want to know why he's with you? Because he's alive. He's alive. Timothy, remember Jesus, because he's alive. You know, a few months ago, I uh, went to the movies. And so I showed up at a matinee, and uh, I walk up to purchase my tickets. And as I walk up to that window, you know, um, the glare from the sunshine in the window um, blocked out me being able to see behind the window. I'm just standing there, and I'm like, man, when, when is anyone going to, like, show up to just serve me? I want to buy a ticket, and I'm just standing there. Little do I know, there is a guy literally inches in front of me standing right there, and he's, like, going, dude, are you, like, what are you? I'm just, like, where, he's, where are you at? And he's, like, right there. And finally, he moved ever so slightly, and I went, I go, you're there. And, he, and he's like, yeah, I've been here the whole time. And he's thinking, is this guy on drugs? You know what I mean? Maybe the Holy Spirit will use this message somehow in your life to just remind you, Jesus is right in front of you. The reason he is right in front of you is because he's alive. Why do we need to remember Jesus Christ? Because he's alive. Can you imagine how rude it would be treating someone who's right in front of you as if they're dead or totally ignoring them and going throughout your day and never talking to them and Jesus never leaves you. 
Your body is the temple of his presence. He lives within you. Wow. You know, in John chapter 20, there's this very interesting moment where Jesus had resurrected from the dead, but he hadn't yet shown himself to his disciples. And the disciples, 11 of them, Judas committed suicide, are, are, are literally locked up into an upper room in Jerusalem out of fear from the Jews. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears. First time they'd seen Jesus. And they're just like, ah! And, and they thought they saw a ghost. And then Jesus walks up to them and he says, here, guys, look at my hands. Look at my side. Here's the thing. One of the disciples was not there at the time. And his name was Thomas. He wasn't present. All of a sudden, Thomas shows up after Jesus leaves. And all the disciples say, Thomas, you won't believe it. We've seen the Lord. He's risen. And Thomas says, I'm not going to believe that unless I, I see his hands. And I put my fingers where those nail scars are and see his side. One week later to the day, they're all huddled in that room again. And Jesus shows up. And you know the first thing that Jesus says? He walks right up to Thomas, and he says, Thomas, I heard you a week ago talking. So put your fingers where the nails are. Stop doubting. Believe. Here's the thing. Here's the point. Even when you're talking, even when you're not praying, praying do you know that Jesus hears you? Sometimes we think we go through life, well, the only time Jesus hears me is when I'm praying to him. No. A week ago, Thomas just said that out. I'm not going to believe. Jesus is here. Jesus is here right now in this room. Right now, he's here with us. He's right with me, and he's right with you. Why? Because he's an omniscient God and an omnipresent God. How that works, I don't know. It's just what the Bible teaches. The point is this. Our mentor is trying to mentor us in an amazing, important truth. Remember Jesus. You want to know the first reason why we should remember him? He's alive. He's not dead. He's with you, Timothy. Even though I'm in jail right now and you're in Ephesus, he is with you. Remember him. I'd like you to talk about this at your tables. Is it possible to live your Christian life at times as if Jesus isn't alive? Talk about that. Okay, we're looking at four reasons why we need to remember Jesus. Number one, he's alive. Number two, Jesus is the reason Christians suffer. Now, Paul wants to go a little bit deep here because back then in the first century, there was tremendous persecution going on that Timothy was facing in Ephesus and throughout the whole Roman world. And even today, do you know what's happening more today than at any other time in Christian history? We see it on the news, although for the most part, our Western news completely hides you from the truth of what's happening with Christians around the world. But Christians are suffering, being persecuted for their faith more now than ever before in Christian history. Jesus predicted this would happen before he would return. But it's so important for us to understand why suffering takes place, why persecution takes place. And Paul talks about this in verse 8 and 9. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, 
for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. This is my gospel for which I am suffering. See, when you preach the gospel, when you preach that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, and you do so in cultures that are anti-gospel, persecution results. And the reason Paul was thrown into a Roman prison and chained like a criminal was not for stealing or rape or murder. Paul was thrown into prison because he preached Jesus rose from the dead and offers eternal life to all who believe. And this is what's happening all over the world today. Christians all over the world today are being persecuted for the same thing, for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is alive, that he's risen. Many believers, they're slandered. Some are deserted. This is where persecution begins, just slandering you, deserting you. Some of us, maybe even here, have been deserted by unbelieving spouses or family members. There's rejection or ostracism by family, friends, or business associates who are offended by the gospel. That's where it begins. But in our culture so far, it really, although there are some cases, hasn't turned to the real physical uh, types of persecution. But many Christians around the world um, are thrown into prison, they're tortured, they're often martyred for preaching that Jesus is alive. They're great citizens, they just stand up for Christ and they preach the gospel. And so they're martyred today. Uh, it's estimated there are 160,000 Christians that are killed for their faith every year. That's one every five minutes. Every five minutes, you're a brother or sister like you in other places around the world, are killed, literally, for their faith, martyred. Why? Paul tells us, this is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. It's because of the gospel. Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.12, it's there on your outlines, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, especially if you live a godly life in a godless society like Syria like Iraq, where ISIS is right now. And we're going to be hearing from a Syrian pastor who's going to be preaching here in two weeks, talking to you about what it's like to do ministry in the midst of ISIS. It's going to be life-changing. Take your Bibles, turn to John 15. I just want you to go back to the left. And, and just Jesus is so clear because there's so much confusion in the media. I'm amazed. Sometimes I hear them debating this and why is all this persecution of Christians happening? It's like, why doesn't someone just read John 15? Jesus tells us. Verse 18, Jesus said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, that is, if you weren't a Christian, the world would love you. As it is, you do not belong to the world. I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember that I told you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. What did they do to Jesus? They killed Jesus. What did they do to you if you're a Christ follower that acts like Jesus in a world that hates, you know, Jesus? They're going to kill you. In some countries, in some cultures, this is what's happening. You need to remember this because guess what? There may come a time in the United States where the persecution that we're seeing elsewhere comes here. And at that point, we're going to find out who the true Christians are. That is going to cleanse this nation. Because right now, we got a lot of, are people really saved that go to church? I don't know. 
We'll find out one day. It's just a matter of time before it comes to the United States. And it will come. It's coming. Why do we remember need to Jesus Christ? Why do we need to remember Jesus? Because he's alive. But guess what? The reason Christians suffer is because of Jesus. Because of your relationship with him. Now, notice what Paul says here, though, which goes really deep. This amazing truth that he talks about in verse 9. He says, this is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. Then he says, but God's word is not chained. And what's amazing to me is this. You can chain up Christians all over the world, <laughs> but God's word never gets chained up. It's like the more you lock up Christians, the more God's word just explodes. If you never lock Paul up, I wonder, would he have written 13 of the New Testament books? I don't know. God had a purpose for him suffering. And we see this throughout the nations of the world today. Let's talk about China for a second. During the Chinese Cultural Revolution, that was from 1966 to 1976. It, it was, this is a brutal time of history for China. The communist Chinese government brutally slaughtered at least, watch this, 30 million of its Chinese citizens, at least. Many of them were Christians. And it was estimated that in 1976, there were only 100,000 Christians that even survived that slaughter. Yet, after more than 50 years now of brutal oppression, imprisonment, and execution, executions of Christians, which goes on today in China, just don't hear about it in the news as much. It's happening, though, all the time. Today in China, it's estimated that there are now 100 million Christians. You can lock Christians up, but you can't lock the Word of God up. You, you see this in Cuba. Some of you have traveled with me to Cuba. Cuba is one of the most oppressive countries toward Christianity that there is. And what they do is unbelievable. They, they've done everything they can to chain up Christianity, but God's Word just keeps spreading in Cuba. In 1995, there were 1,300 churches in Cuba, and they're locking Christians up and everything. Today, there are 24,000 churches in Cuba. You can't lock up the Word of God. Why do we need to remember Jesus Christ? He's alive, and he's the reason Christians suffered. And guess what? There may come a time in your life when you are called to suffer for Jesus Christ, and you need to remember the reason why you're suffering is because of Jesus, because he's alive. If he was dead, no one would be coming after you. He's a reality. People, the enemy, senses Jesus, and they want to do everything they can. It's a spiritual battle between Satan and God. This is the reason for all the problems that we're facing today and we see today. It's spiritual. So we need to be thinking about these things, and Paul wants us to understand these truths. There's the third reason why we need to remember Jesus. Not only is he alive, not only do when you follow him will you be persecuted, but thirdly, Jesus is the reason Christians endure. One of the things that amazes me, and I'm so privileged to travel the world and have the privilege of meeting Christians who endure the most difficult, horrific, painful persecution. And I'm so humbled to go there. And I've interviewed dozens and dozens. I can't get enough of it. With tears in my eyes, I write down their stories. And I hear how they endure such horrific experiences. 
and I'm so inspired by them. And I always ask them why. And it's, they love Jesus. And they just want to see the gospel spread into all the world. Paul, Paul just so moves me as our mentor. His example is so incredible. Look at verse 10. Paul, you know, he's saying, remember Jesus, he's alive. And guess what? Sometimes you're going to be persecuted. And then Paul says this, therefore, I endure everything. I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Therefore, I endure everything. Have you, think about what Paul endured. The other day I was driving, I was just like going, Lord, what Paul endured, he went through all of this. You could have spared him a lot of this, but you chose to allow him to go through this. And I began to meditate on that deeply. Paul was right now in, as he wrote this letter, the notorious Mamertine prison in Rome. Now, in a few weeks, I'm going to show you literal pictures of his prison cell. It exists today. You'll see where the Apostle Paul, actually, if you go with me in 2018, I'm going to take you to Rome first, then to Israel. We'll go to that very prison cell. But he's, he's in prison, and he's enduring that. And he knows at any moment Nero is going to cut his head off where he was faced Literally, he was beheaded by Emperor Nero. We'll talk about that later. And he's enduring all that. Why? Why would you endure all that? Have you ever read some of the things that the Apostle Paul experienced? I mean, humbly, he offered a description of just some of the things that... Take your Bibles and turn back to 2 Corinthians 11. I just want you to just picture this. I don't know the things that maybe you've been having to endure this last week or just in your own life. Um, but would you just listen to the description that Paul gives us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, of some of the things that he endured. And look, if you would, at verse, let's start at verse, uh, look at verse 23. If you don't have a Bible, I'd like you to just listen to this. Maybe if you want to close your eyes, you can imagine this. These are some of the things that Paul, God's man and God's woman, you know, God's people endure. Paul says, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I've worked much harder. You think you've worked hard, right? Paul says, I've worked harder. I've been in prison more frequently. You ever been to prison? Did you go to prison because you preached for Jesus? Paul says, I've been there way more frequently than you have. I've been flogged more severely. That's beaten. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Why did they give you 39 lashes? Because they thought with 40 it would kill you. It would string you up. Five times Paul was whipped. 39 times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Can you imagine? He was in the Mediterranean Sea. He spent an entire night holding on to a piece of driftwood. Think about the sharks that were there. God allowed Paul to go through that. And the entire next day, wow. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews that didn't know Jesus, in danger from Gentiles who don't know Christ, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. 
I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul says, I endure everything. Why? Why? He tells us there back in 2 Timothy, I endure it all for the sake of the elect. Who are the elect? Those are the, those are the ones that God has chosen to be saved in his sovereign plan for salvation. That they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Remember Jesus. He's alive. When you remember him and you preach his gospel, there are times you're going to suffer persecution. But then you endure. Why? So others can be saved. I don't know what you're facing right now, what you're enduring, but there's a bigger picture involved in the drama of why God has allowed you to experience what you're experiencing. It's not just, woe me. Everything we face, God has a plan for it. And ultimately, the plan is to shine His glory and allow His message of salvation to be seen through you so others can be saved. Think about what Jesus endured, the suffering. Why did He endure it? So you could be saved. Why do you endure your suffering so others can be saved? You're called to be a little Christ. Wow, that's profound. It's powerful. This is Paul mentoring us. Some of you have seen pictures of my friend Snowman, who is also your friend. Snowman is a Chinese pastor, a dear brother, friend. And I'll give you his story in short. I've shared it with you before. But he's a leader, a pastor in China, and he was taken into prison and beaten and tortured and asked to deny his faith. And he said, I will never deny Jesus Christ. So they took him outside on a freezing cold night with snow on the ground. They stripped him. They hung him upside down by a rope and left him to die hanging in the freezing cold. They went home. The next morning they came back after an entire night knowing that he'd be frozen to death. And as they turned around the corner and they saw his body hanging there, steam was emanating from his body. And thus, they named him Snowman. And that's his name today. And I've talked to Snowman. How could you endure that? I kept thinking of the millions in China that still need Jesus. I love Christ and I want his gospel to go out. And today, he leads a church movement. Watch this. You know how many are in his church? One million and growing are in his network because he endured. God calls us, you see, to endure for him, sometimes suffering because somehow this glorifies his name. And the gospel spreads through these kind of stories that are just like, unbelievable, crazy, cool. You know, Tertullian said, the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. The blood of martyrs. Some kind, God somehow uses the suffering of his people to bring him glory and to proclaim the gospel. For some, that's the only thing that will wake them up. And I read stories after story after story of many in ISIS. Many of ISIS are turning to Jesus Christ because of the valiant suffering of Christians and how they are dying for their faith in Syria and Iraq is unbelievable. And you're going to hear some of those stories. The courageousness of these Christians that are willing to let their heads get cut off, and, and it, it's barbaric. 
But somehow God uses all that. And Paul's saying, Timothy, I don't know what you're going to face in life. Remember Jesus, he's alive. (laughs) And there's times you're going to have to suffer for this gospel and endure. But you do it because that's what Jesus did and that's what all Christians do. And that's how people come to Christ. I'd like you to talk about this. What have you learned or what can you learn about endurance from the examples of Jesus, the Apostle Paul, guys like Snowman? What speaks to you as you think about their lives and that endurance? Go ahead and take a moment, talk at your tables. Okay, let me give you the fourth reason why we need to remember Jesus, and it's this. Jesus is our hope for eternal glory. Because Jesus is alive, and He is, there are times we as Christians may suffer. And when we suffer, whatever that suffering may look like, we endure. We endure so that others can be saved. But there's a silver lining through it all, regardless of what happens to your life when you endure suffering, because you're preaching the gospel of Jesus that He's alive. There is an amazing end, a glorious end to all of it. And, and, this, and Paul leads up to this incredible statement here. Look, if you would, at verse 10 and 11. He says, Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that's in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And he's going to talk about this glory right now. Then he says, this is, here is a trustworthy saying about this eternal glory we're going to talk about. Now, in verse 11 through 13, which we're going to read in a second, Paul quotes an early Christian hymn. And and this hymn is packed with rich theology about a believer's future glory. I'm not going to sing the hymn, okay? I'm going to spare you. Because if I did, you'd probably want to go to glory right now, okay? (laughs) But this was a hymn that was sung by the early Christian church. I mean, you, you, you hear this and you go, whoa, they were really fighting the battle. You're right. They were persecuted for their faith. And you're going to hear this, but in the midst of them singing about the suffering, there's these incredible couple statements here that talk about our future glory that they are reminding us of and themselves of, and it's very powerful and beautiful, okay? Now, as we read this, you're going to see there are four if clauses, each followed with a concluding promise. The first two if clauses are positive. And the last two if clauses are negative. But let's read it first, then I'll point out these two amazing statements about our future glory. Here's a trustworthy saying. Now, here's the hymn. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. That's pretty powerful. It's a lot different than the hymns that we sing in many ways. Because this was what they were experiencing, and it gave them so much hope. Now, I want you to notice the two key statements about our future glory. You say, what do you mean by that future glory, Mark? I don't get it. Well, this is, let, me, let me explain it to you this way, okay? If you know Jesus 20,000 years from today, you are going to be in future glory. You will be more alive then, 20,000 years from today, than you are now. You will never not exist if you are a human being. The question is where? If you know Jesus Christ, 
you're going to future glory. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're going to a future hell. That is what the Bible teaches. Now, for Christians, Jesus is alive. Sometimes we suffer. We endure it, all for the gospel. And guess what? Sometimes, like I said, every five minutes, there's a Christian who's martyred for their faith. And they immediately go into their future glory. What is that future glory? Well, there's two things about it that Paul points out here in this hymn that are absolutely mind-boggling to think about. And the first thing he says is this. If we died with him, that means if we died to our sins with Jesus, if we were buried, so to speak, to our sins and rose in newness of life, that is, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we will also live with him. Now, that phrase, live with him, has imagery of a home. You see, if I said to you, hey, Paul, I want you to come and live with me. This guy's Paul right here. Not the Apostle Paul, but he's a good Paul. <laughs> Paul would go, he would think, oh, I'm going to Mark's home. So when the Bible says we will also live with him, the imagery there is the same thing. We're going to go to the home of Jesus. And this is part of our future glory. I don't know what your home is like right now, but you have an amazing home in the future that is absolutely spectacular. It's what Jesus talked about in John 14, verses 2 to 3. In my Father's house are many rooms. If we're not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am, in my home. Part of our future glory is this. No matter what you endure as a Christian, guess what? You have this incredible future home in glory that Jesus has gone to prepare, and it's unbelievable. And then the second thing that this hymn speaks about, verse 12, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And all Christians endure to the end. Then he says, if we disown him, this is speaking about a person who's not a Christian, well, Jesus will also disown you. And that will happen at the great white throne judgment. Terrifying. Then in verse 13, if we are faithless, as Christians, there are times we are faithless, like Peter who denied Jesus. There's times we struggle. Well, he remains faithful. That's Jesus' character because he cannot disown himself. He's married to you, and, and yeah, we struggle. There's times we're faithless, but the Lord sees that. And we also will reign with Jesus. I mean, that's, that's amazing. This is part of our future glory. We will also reign with him. What? Yeah. You and I are going to reign with Jesus in a place called the millennial kingdom, which will be a thousand-year reign of Christ on this earth. And then after that, we're going to reign with him into eternity after that thousand-year reign. And, it's, it, and that's going to go on forever and ever and ever. What does that look like? I've got a series called The End where I preach an hour on this, and you just have to kind of get that message under your belt. If you want to understand the future, then get that series. But here's a scripture in Revelation 22, verse 3 and 5. It says, his servants will serve him. That's us. They will see his face, and they will reign forever and ever. That's part of our future glory. We need to remember Jesus. Because guess what? When you remember Christ, you remember he's alive. Yeah, we suffer, we endure, but guess what? We are going to his home, and we're going to reign with him forever, and it's going to be flat-out amazing. Like Paul said, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So no sacrifice. And this is what I see. 
I, I see this with, with American Christians that are suffering, and I get around them, and often it's in hospital beds. It's typically not in a prison cell where they're thrown into prison, you know, for their faith. But when I go to countries around the world, the norm is that Christians suffer deeply for their faith, deeply, constantly, continuously. We live in not reality. And the United States is a small country. There are 7.3 billion people on our planet. We only have 330 million of those people. That's, that's just a drop in a bucket. If you think the United States is all that, we are a drop in the bucket of humanity. And most Christians understand this hymn. Most Christians are risking their life for Jesus Christ. And, and guess that, that, that's not like a bad on us. This is the way God has set it up right now, and I believe this. God has chosen the United States to be a blessing to the nations right now. We've sent more missionaries into the world than any other nation. We've sent more money into the world than any other nation, and we need to continue to do so. And guess what? One day the battle's going to come here in a different way, and we're seeing it starting to show its head. It's on its way because that's what the Bible predicts, and God's Word is always true. But what I see all around the world as I meet with these Christians is they just say, no sacrifice, no mockery, no alienation, no rejection, no imprisonment, no death is too high a price to pay for the eternal glory that I will have with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and sharing with Him heaven forever. And I'm going to do whatever it takes because I want people to know the Savior that I've come to know. I've read read accounts of, of people, like I said earlier, from ISIS that are actually uh, Islamists that have said, thank you, ISIS. Because it wasn't until they saw the ugliness of Islam that they turned from that, quote, religion that they were raised in, and they turned to Christianity. And they're just like, thank you, ISIS. You destroyed my life, my family, my home. You took my husband. You killed him. But guess what? Through it all, I met Jesus. That's mind-boggling. It's incredible. Well, here's a little question here for you to talk about, and then we'll wrap it up. What are you most looking forward to about your eternal glory? Picture your life 20,000 years from today. What are you most looking forward to 20,000 years from today? That's a mind-boggling question, but that's something we need to remember is a reality for us in Christ. Talk about that. Go for it. Okay, let me wrap it up by saying this. You have a life coach. You have a mentor. And your mentor sees that you have to remember a lot of things in life. You're busy. There's a lot going on in your life. But your mentor kind of brings it to a focus this morning because your mentor, Paul, has a lot more experience than you. He's been down the road. He's someone that can teach you about how to manage your life and your Christian life. And he says, you need to remember Jesus Christ. When you wake up in the morning, remember him through your day, before you go to bed at night, remember Jesus. Why? Timothy, he's alive. He's with you. You may be called to suffer for that gospel and endure that suffering. Why? 
Because that's what Jesus did, and you do as a Christian so the world can hear. But guess what? Whatever that suffering is that you're enduring, <laughs> your eternal glory is amazing. You're going to a place that Jesus has created for you. And one day he's going to bring you to him, and you're going to reign with him forever. So right now, leave it all on the floor. Remember Jesus. Live for him. Here's your game changer challenge, and it's this thought. What might God do to you and through you if you live this week like Jesus is alive? You need to understand that in my life, my life was changed July 27, 1981 because of this fact. Because I lived my life up to that time, frankly, I was indifferent. I kind of thought Jesus was dead. If I thought he was alive, I thought he was alive maybe in church. All I can say is on that day, July 27th, 1981, and in a couple weeks I'm going to tell you my whole story. It will fit with a message. God revealed to me that he was and is alive. And that changed everything in my life. And I said, Jesus, if you are alive, I will surrender my life to you. I will follow you. I will tell the world about you. And my life was changed that day. Now watch this. As a Christian, there's got to come a point in your life when the reality of the fact that Jesus is alive transforms you. And if for some reason you don't live with that reality, you've got to get before the Lord. You've got to say, Jesus, would you please make this real? Because if you're alive, I need to know you're alive. And I want to walk with you like you're alive. Uh, that's a God thing that has to happen between you and the Lord. But I promise you, if you come to God sincerely saying, I want to be a Christian that lives like you're alive, not dead. And you pray that, the Lord will meet you. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. He's with you, Timothy. He's with you. He's with me. Let us live that way. Let us remember that all the time. Present, continuous, tense command. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this lesson that Paul passes on to us, remembering Jesus Christ. What a difference this simple but profound truth can make in our lives. We get distracted, Lord. That's why we need a moment like this. <laughs> we need you to clarify, you know, some things. We get so many thoughts in our mind, and life gets muddled, and it gets complicated. And we need you to speak into our lives at moments like this. And this is a profound, it's a simple but very profound truth to remember Jesus Christ daily and weekly, and that you're alive, that you're with us constantly. Lord, somehow make that real and life-changing for our lives. Would you just maybe say a prayer to the Lord right now, saying, Jesus, help me in my life to know you're alive, to live as if you're alive. Allow me to come alive because your life is in me. And I walk knowing this reality. And it guides me. You guide me. I want this. 
by your grace, grant it to me. Thank you, Lord, for how you're encouraging each one. You answer that prayer because you're an awesome God who is alive. All God's people said?